Hallelujah. Glory to God. Good evening and uh, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us tonight for our time of ministry in the Word of God and our Bible study. Um, what a glorious season uh, we live in. Um, what a great privilege our Father has given to us, all of us, um, to be able to come together like this week after week and enjoy His goodness and His presence. And um, to get around the Word of God and to study together. And um, I am trusting God that um, as the Lord has helped us thus far in our studies of everything Holy Spirit, um, He will help us the rest of the way. I'm trusting God that in the next, um, our next two services, uh, we can do some old time, um, old fashioned. Bible studies and actually maybe more next week just a lot of reading of scriptures and 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 just and just going through them and 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 not a lot of talking but a lot of scriptures and 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 then um, expressing ourselves to the Lord um, based on the things that that we read um, but I'm very excited at this opportunity tonight so thank you whatever platform you are joining us on. Thank you for being here tonight. Um, please, let's bow our heads and share a word of prayer as we get going tonight. Father, thank you so very much for this opportunity to come around the Word of God with the saints. Thank you for your mighty presence that is here with us. It's there with them wherever they are. And thank you, precious Holy Spirit, that you, our great teacher, you are ready to teach us tonight. We yield to you. We welcome you. We ask you to have your way. Open our eyes to see wondrous things in your word. Help us understand. Help us gain access to deep revelation and even just the simple things that you desire to, uh, to remind us about and to teach us over again tonight. We thank you. We yield to you. I lose in my tongue, think through my mind, speak through my, my vocal cords. Lord, help me be a conduit of your power, um, a channel of your revelation and light. And bless everyone that is with us tonight, them and their loved ones. Father, cause the mighty hands of God to overshadow them, even in this season, this extremely consequential season. As we all go through it, Father, breathe upon us. Let the wind of God himself saturate our lives and this service tonight. I thank you for it, Lord. I give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much again for being here. Welcome. Um, go back with me, please, to John chapter 16. Tonight, you know, for maybe about two weeks now or two our two most recent services or lessons or Bible studies, we have, the Lord made us, helped us to focus a bit on an aspect of, of our work with the Holy Spirit that is so important, which I don't even think that I've taught those things the, the way that, you know, we studied them together over the last two services. Um, but I want us to wrap that up tonight, read some of those my notes to you again, because I know over the last two weeks I kind of kept jumping and 
I want to just read those notes as we wrap up that that whole segment. But there is no question the Holy Spirit is a person. He has a personality. And we can either um, enhance his presence, make him happy, and help him feel welcome. Or we can grieve him and resist him and suppress his activities um, and make him feel like he's not welcome where we are. And I personally believe, um, based on studies in the Word of God, that there are a number of things um, that we can do, we can indulge in, that can make him feel unwelcome and um, suppress his activities. Um, and I believe that for most believers who are living right, walking right, in integrity, the integrity of the word, who are seeking to please God and all of that, one of the big areas um, is that area of money um, that can be a hindrance to our walk with the Holy Spirit uh, if we have all these other areas uh, taken care of. Uh, so that's kind of what we've studied very strongly. We don't you know, we're gonna, we don't have an hour, like I've promised. We're going to keep these services, these teachings to about 45 minutes max. So let's dive in the Word of God here. He's a person, and the goal of the Father is that we will be close to Him, or He will be close to us. John chapter 16, and let's read from verse 13 in the Amplified, in the Amplified Bible. I hope you have your Bibles or whatever you use, devices iPads and whatever, whatever you use, um, tablets and phones and devices, things that you use to access the Word of God, have them ready um, because I like us to read a number of scriptures. We read some tonight, but we'll read especially a lot um, in our next service by God's grace. Here we go. Uh, but when He, the Spirit of truth, the truth-giving Spirit, when he comes, he will guide you. I love that. He will guide you into all the truth, the whole truth, the full truth. Oh, I really love that. He will guide you into all the truth, the whole truth, the full truth, not half truth, not partial truth. And he will guide you. He will. He is the guide. He is the leader. Amen. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell you whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. He will honor and glorify me. That's, the Holy Spirit will honor and glorify God the Father. And that's why we are created. He will honor and glorify Jesus. That's why we are saved. To honor and glorify Him. Oh, I really love this. He will honor and glorify me. Because He will take off. He will receive. Draw upon what is mine. And he will reveal it to you, declare it, disclose it to you. And he will show it and transmit it to you. And then he goes on, of course, you know that popular verse, verse 15. 
everything that the Father has is mine. That is what I meant when I said that he, the Spirit, will take the things that are mine and reveal, declare, disclose, transmit it to you. Everything. And, you know, our, um, I have given you, um, I have given you my own expanded version of verse 15. Everything that the Father has for you, Jesus is speaking, everything that the Father has for you is mine to give to you. That is what I meant when I said that He, the Holy Spirit, will take the things that are mine to give to you and He will reveal them, declare them, disclose them, release them and transmit them to you directly so that you can have everything that the Father has for you. Now, if we back up a little bit and go to verse 7, chapter 16 and verse 7 in the Amplified Version, I want us to, I want us to read that, verses 7 and 8 in the Amplified Version. It says, However, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say to you that I go away, because if I do not go away, the Comforter, Counselor, Helper, Advocate, Intercessor, Strengthener, Standby, He will not come to you into close fellowship with you. He will not come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. So, the Lord wants the Holy Spirit to be in close fellowship with us. He wants us to be in close fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He said again, and I will send him to be in close fellowship. And he, he says it twice. He makes that statement twice. If I don't go away, he will not come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. So it is the will of the Father that the Holy Spirit comes into close fellowship with us. That we come into close fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Well, you know we have, um, over our last two services, we saw something, and, and I don't know if this stood out to you, um, but it stood out to me very strongly, and I, I want to mention it. Um, you know, as we talked about the Holy Spirit and money, especially the spirit of mammon, and, and I gave you a few notes there um, in those services, I'm not sure that this stood out to you, um, but, but the Lord put some light on this for me, and it was really astounding for me. Um, do you know that in Acts chapter 5 and in Acts chapter 6, um, where there was an interruption in the free flow and in the free move of the work of the Holy Spirit, the, the free move of the Holy Spirit himself in the early church. I mean, everything was going so great. I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, spoke to them in chapter 1. He says, go into the upper room and pray and wait for the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They did that in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit was outpoured upon them and great signs and wonders and people came together. So many people were saved in Acts chapter 3. An outpouring of God's power, many more people were saved. Miracle of healing, you remember what happened at the beautiful gate. Acts chapter 4, outpouring of joy, the glory of God was upon the church, and 
things were going great even when the disciples were arrested and when they were threatened they simply went back and prayed they called on the lord the power of god was released upon them the holy spirit came into full force baptized them afresh with his power they went out with boldness and started ministering the word of god and then bound acts chapter 5 and acts chapter 5 opens with the story of ananias and sapphira the very first crisis that was recorded inside of the local church inside of the early church the very first crisis they had attacks they had things that the enemy tried to do using people outside of the church but none of that hurt none of that hurt the church the holy spirit continued to work with them none of that stifled or or stymied the move of the holy spirit but acts chapter 5 opened with the story of ananias and sapphira and money and suddenly we saw a move of the Holy Spirit stifled. We saw it stymied. We, we saw it suppressed. We saw his activity limited because of an unhealthy relationship that this couple, these believers, um, Ananias and Sapphira, had with money. And, and I, I believe that that had the potential to actually infect the congregation, infect the rest of the church. Uh, because there's a spirit of money, there's a mammon, a spirit of the love of money um, that that competes with the Holy Spirit for the throne room of the heart of every believer. It competes with the Holy Spirit for the throne room of the heart of every believer. And it does take a commitment to prioritize our work with the Holy Spirit um, to limit that spirit of money, the spirit of the love of money, mammon, to stop him, that spirit from taking over the place that rightfully belongs to the Holy Spirit. So we, we saw that in Acts chapter 5. And then in Acts chapter 6, the story opens again with another crisis. This was the second crisis, almost, almost um, one after the other. So, you know, all the way to Acts chapter 4, Holy Spirit was moving freely. Church was doing well. Everybody was happy. The joy of the Lord was there. They shared everything. Fellowship. They loved the Lord. They loved one another. Then suddenly, bam! Acts chapter 5. Money. And we had the first Christ, Christian premature death because of that. And then, Acts chapter 6 opened with another crisis which was related to material provision which you can say money as well. Because in Acts chapter 6, then you had, you know, the, the Greek the, the, the Greek widows complaining that they were not treated right or fairly in the distribution um, within the early church. This had to do not with gifts of the Holy Spirit. This had to do not with praying for the sick. This had to do not, not with walking in faith. This had to do not with taking their authority, their place of authority in the kingdom of God. No, this had to do with money. It had to do with material provision and how that was being disbursed. And there came a second crisis in the church. So I absolutely believe that mammon, the spirit of the love of money, has that potential to stifle, to stymie, to suppress the activity of the Holy Spirit in any life, in any family, in any community, in any congregation, in any church. So believers... 
we, we do have to have a committed relationship, a healthy relationship, where we prioritize the Holy Spirit, not money, not material provision. No, nothing is, there's nothing wrong with wanting more money, wanting to be a blessing. That's why God gives it to us anyways, so that we can be a blessing. We can be blessed and we can be a blessing. There's nothing wrong with that. However, when we, when we have an unhealthy relationship with money, and, and then we are under pressure to get more of it, or we are afraid of running out of it, and we make decisions that are not led by the Holy Spirit, but that are led by our unhealthy relationship with money and material provisions, then we get into trouble. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit, cannot really move in our lives like He really wants to. Right, so, so I gave you this note. So listen, I'm just going to read right through them, and I, I want us to move right on and deal with a couple of things that are really important um, in our lessons um, tonight. So notice the role that money and material provisions played in creating the first and second major crisis in the early church that stymied the free move of the Holy Spirit. And it, these few notes I know that I gave um, in the last two services. Beware of mammon. Mammon is the spirit of the love of money. Beware of mammon. One of the greatest hindrances many believers have to being able to enjoy the fullness of the Holy Spirit is money, the love of money. The love of it, the need for it, the pride of having it, and the temptations it brings where it seeks to seek, take the place of God in our lives. Hallelujah. Listen to this second note. There is a spiritual price to pay for the anointing and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You cannot buy it. We cannot buy it with money or natural service or influence or clout like Simon wanted to do in Acts chapter 8. No one is suddenly more spiritual or more anointed just because they have more money or more material provisions or natural resources. I say this with a heart of compassion. The more resources you have in your life, the greater the tendency to yield to the flesh rather than to the Holy Spirit. So be on your guard always. Be on your guard. Don't allow money um, to put a chip on your shoulder. Don't allow the spirit of, of the love of money, mammon. Don't let it take the place of your healthy relationship with the Holy Spirit. Spiritual appointments and assignments are made by God. We cannot buy them and we cannot influence our way to get them. This is the third note. Very important. This is the last one I have. Decipher. It is important that as believers, we decipher and recognize the role of our fellowships, our partnerships, and human relationships, and especially marriage, in helping us do the will of God and seek His best in every area of our lives. Ananias could have saved Sapphira's life, his wife's life, and vice versa, if they had both discerned and recognized the will of God where helping one another was concerned. Don't walk into fire just because your spouse is doing the same. Help them, pray for them, counsel them, challenge them, but don't follow them when you know and you can see clearly that the path that they are on is a wrong path. It doesn't matter in what area. 
But especially in the areas of our relationship with God, in the area of our relationship with material things, with money, where the love of money, the pride of money, the pressure to get it is concerned and things like that. Uh, don't, don't follow a spouse that is not, is not walking in the will of God where those things are concerned. And certainly our spouse, uh, as much as we love them, must not be allowed to sit in the driver's wheel of our families if they have an unhealthy relationship with money and if their relationship with the Holy Spirit is not the priority of their lives. They must not be allowed to sit in the driver's seat because what did the Lord Jesus Christ say? He said, if the blind lead the blind, both of them are going to fall into the pit. God isn't going to say, oh, well, well, yeah, the one who was following just didn't know what they were doing because they were just following. So, yeah, what the one who was leading will fall into the pit, but the one that was following, we will rescue them because they just didn't really know. They were just deceived. They were blind. No, he said both of them, both of them, both of them will fall into the pit. So if you already understand this from the word of God, all of us were, were stewards. We're supposed to be stewards of the revelation of the word of God that we receive. So if, if you have, if you have someone that is important in your life, a loved one, a parent, uh, a, a, um, a child, a dependent person, or a spouse who is walking blindly, walking blindly and not in accordance with the will of God. You cannot afford to follow them blindly and say this thing that people say all the time, where we're supposed to be one world, God has joined together, let no man put... No, they already put asunder, they have already put it asunder by walking contrary to the will of God. Because the will of God is supposed to be the overarching... Um, um, umbrella and covering of our destiny our marriage our family so if if our spouse will not honor that and and the bible says in first samuel chapter 2 verse 30 they that honor me i will honor but they that despise me will be lightly esteemed so if it is our spouse god forbid but if it's our spouses that are despising God and despising the principles of the word of God and doing their own thing, don't blindly or foolishly imagine or assume you will be saved from the, 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 the pit that they are going to fall into. You are going to fall into that pit with them. But at least you can save them. You can pray for them. You can help them. Uh, you can you can you can intercede for them. You can engage with them, challenge them. Say, hey, let's, honey, let's let's do the will of God. Let's let's do what God wants us. Let's do God's best. Okay, yes, we are not we are not too bad. We we have taken a few good steps over the last few years. Praise God. But but we are not where God wants us to be. There's, we can still go further and then challenge them. Challenge them to go further with you. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory, glory, glory be to God. The Holy Spirit wants to help you sharpen your spouse in a godly way as iron sharpens iron. Don't use your spouse as a crutch or as an excuse um, um, to live, to not live a spirit-filled life or to not do the will of God and seek his best in your life. This is so important. A word is good enough for the wise. And I trust God that you are wise people. You heard it right here on this platform. Hallelujah. Glory, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Let's talk a little bit before we run out, run out of time tonight. Let's talk a, a little bit. How do we, let's talk about how do we increase the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives? We know now we don't want to grieve him, right? We, we don't want to grieve him. Um, we recognize he's a person. And that's why you remember what, what Peter said to Ananias says, why have you, why have you sought to deceive the Holy Spirit? Why? Why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? And he grieved, he grieved him. He grieved him. Both of them grieved him. So we know he's a person, right? And let's talk a little bit about that personality of the Holy Spirit. We've already read John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. That's what we started the service with tonight, where the Lord said, I'm, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be in close fellowship with you. And he said it twice. I'm sending him. If I don't go away, I wouldn't be able to send him to be in close fellowship with you. That's John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8 in the Amplified Version. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be in close fellowship with you. So he's a person. He wants to fellowship with us. He wants to interact with us. He wants to share. The word fellowship is koinonia. I might be able to say one or two things about it um, tonight. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe next service, if I can get to it tonight. The Holy Spirit is a person. He wants to share close fellowship with us. Look at some of the things that he does, that a person does. Some of the ways in which his personality reflect um, the personality of a person, the personality of an individual. It's not a thing. It's not just one of the Godhead that, oh yeah, is yeah, someone. No, he's not just someone. He's a person. And he's the third person of the triune God, the third person of the Trinity. He's the one who is right here with us. He's our Emmanuel, our God with us. He's the one who is God with us right here. He's the greater one who lives within us, who is greater than every foul spirit and every devilish and demonic spirit in the world. He's the greater one who is greater than any mountain we can confront. He's greater than anything outside of our, our being. He's the greater one who gives us the upper hand and helps us overcome in every situation of life. He's a person, right? I really love um, in, in Acts chapter 28, towards the end of um, a Paul, Apostle Paul's life. Let's read these few scriptures. Let's read them in the Amplified um, Version. Acts chapter 28 from verse 23. Let's read this. If you have your Bible, let's open there together or your devices. Let's open to these scriptures together. Acts chapter 28 from verse 23. I want you to see uh, in Paul, when he, at the end of his ministry in Rome, uh, when he called together some of the Jewish leaders and things like that, he was trying to convince them about the kingdom of God and minister to them the gospel. And uh, like in every situation, some will receive, some will not receive. Some will believe, some will not believe, right? And as they got ready to, to leave uh, amongst them, arguing among themselves based on the word that Paul had ministered to them, he said these very important words. Let's read this in Acts chapter 28. And I'm going to read this right out of the uh, Amplified in verse 24. Um, let's read from verse 23. So when they had set a day with him, they came in large numbers to his lodging, and he fully set forth and explained the matter to them from morning until night. This was a long one. I mean, that man of God just taught the word and taught the word and taught the word 
all day into all afternoon, all the way till now. That's all they were doing. Just sitting around the word and talking the word and expounding the word to them from Genesis all the way to, to the end of the old covenant into the new covenant, just expounding the will of God, the covenant to them. And uh, listen to this. Um, he, he explained the matter to them from morning until night, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Seeking to convince them, just going through the, the Torah, the Pentateuch, and going through the prophet, minor prophets, and major, showing them evidence after evidence after evidence that Jesus is the Messiah that was promised. But look at how they received it in the next verse, <laughs> verse 24. Some were convinced and believed what he said, but others did not believe. Right? After spending the whole day, a whole afternoon, and whole night, ministering to them under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, using the word of God that he was expounding to them through the gospel. Some believed and were convinced, and others did not. That's exactly the way it still happens today. In the world, when you minister the gospel, some will believe, they'll be convinced and they'll believe, and some will not. In the body of Christ, in the church, when you take the time to expantiate and expound the gospel, no matter how long you do it for, the whole morning, the whole afternoon, the whole night, it's not how long. Some will be convinced and they'll believe, and some will not. Right there in the body of Christ, right there in the church, sitting in the pew, you find many who take the word and their hearts will catch on fire because of it. And they'll begin to run. But right there also, you find many who just blow it off and say, ah, I'm not sure. <laughs> they continue to do the same old things that they've always done, right? I pray for you. My prayer for you, for the saints, for the church, for the believers, is that we will not be this way. We will not be that way. But that when the word of God goes forth, we will receive it. Like the people in Thessalonica, remember? How the people in Thessalonica received the word. This is what Paul said to them. Oh, I love this. I, I, I really love this. This is, this is how Paul described how they received the word. And of course, you know, there were some in, in, um, there were these Bereans where we're told in Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 17, 16 or 17 talked about uh, the, the people in Berea, they were, in Berea were more noble, right? They were more noble because when they heard the word, they they received it and they went and studied it and they got into it and they 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 received and believed what was spoken to them. The Bible says they were more noble. And and I pray, I pray that we will be noble like that. Because every time we hear the word, we ought to be good stewards of the word of God. We're not just getting around the word of God just to be marking uh, uh checking off boxes to say we were there. No, but so that so that we can receive, that's Acts 17 actually. In, in Acts 17 verse 11, I, I love this, it says, Acts 17 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, that is in Berea, because he came to, I believe, he came to Berea, right? He says that they were more noble from verse 16, verse, verse, sorry, from verse 10, it says, the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming there went into the synagogue of the Jews. Verse 11, 
these were more noble, talking about the believers in Berea compared to the believers in Thessalonica. Some of the believers in Thessalonica. It's very interesting because when the Lord, when Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Thessalonians, um, he talked about some of them, a few of them in that congregation, not the majority, um, a few of them in that congregation who actually bought, who received the word of God fully and opened their hearts and received it and allowed that word to produce in their lives, right? Just a handful of them, a few, a minority of them. And he talked to I'm going to read that scripture to you in a minute. But these believers in Berea, the majority of them were like this. And oh, hallelujah, what a glorious blessing whenever that happens. When believers, like majority of believers within a church, within churches, can receive fully the word of God. Oh, wow. It just opens up doors for the Holy Spirit to move freely, for the power of God to be experienced. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's when we see signs and wonders. That's when we see miracles in corporate gatherings. <laughs> Not like in Nazareth. You remember in Nazareth, in Mark chapter 6, the Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ was ministering. But they were all kind of looking at him like, huh? and then he said, they won't believe what he, they didn't believe what he was saying. They didn't receive it. And the Lord said, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own house, right? Uh, but uh, believers who are wise, um, they continue, continually give honor to the word of God, con regardless of what channel is coming through. They, whether it's a child, whether it's an adult, whether it's someone they are familiar with, somebody else, they give honor to the word of God. And when you give honor to the word of God, God will honor you. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. But look at this scripture in um, Acts 17, 11. It says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Hmm? Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks and of men, not a few. How did they get to believe into the place where they believe? Because they honored the word. They received it with readiness of mind. They went and searched the scriptures after what they heard. And it was easy for the Holy Spirit to speak to them. The Holy Spirit speaks. But the Holy Spirit speaks most of the times when there's a readiness to receive it. When there's a readiness to receive it. When there's a desire to hear it. When there's a hunger for it and a thirst for it. The Holy Spirit, many times people say, yeah, I was going, I just wish the Lord would speak to you. He will speak to you. The Lord will speak to you about whatever you are dealing with if you honor his word. If, if you believe it, if you, if you are willing to, with readiness of mind, if you are willing to accept his word and go back and study it and go back and search it and go back and, 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 and meditate it and, and believe it and he, the Lord will speak to you. Hallelujah. This is what, this is what the Bible says about the believers in Berea. Uh, but, but now I want you to, let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. This was, this was a minority in the church. But Paul said this to them, to, to that, to that minority. Listen to what he said. Acts chapter 2, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. He says, For this cause also thank we God without season, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, we were the ones who spoke the word to you, but when you received it, when you heard it, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, 
which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So you see the process where we have a readiness of mind and we listen and we receive the word of God as though it was the Lord himself that was speaking the word to us. Then that word will effectually work in us that believe it. It will effectually work in us that receive it and produce the power of God in our lives. This is the process. This is the way it works. It will produce, because the Holy Spirit will be able to freely move once we're in a place where we're freely, readily receiving the Word of God. I want you to read this. Let's read this together in the, um, in the Amplified Bible. <laughs> Hallelujah. It says, and, and we also especially thank God continually for this, that when you received the message of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of mere men, but as it truly is, the word of God, which is effectually at work in you who believe. Exercise, you see, the word will exercise its superhuman power. The word will exercise its superhuman power in those who adhere to it and trust in and rely on it. The word, the word will, the word will exercise its superhuman power in those who receive it readily. Somebody say, that's me. Say, that's me. I receive the word of God readily. When I hear the word of God, I receive it as though the Holy Spirit himself is the one that is speaking to me. And that word will effectually produce, it will, its superhuman powers will produce in my life. Now, listen now. Let's go back to Acts 28. Remember, that's where we started from. Hallelujah. After Paul had taken the whole morning, the whole afternoon, the whole night, ministering, going from Genesis, going, going through from the Pentateuch, going to going going to the minor prophets, to the Psalms, going to I mean just expounding and expounding about the, the Messiah and telling them Jesus is. Some received the Bible, says some believed, but some did not. Now look at verse 25. And as they disagreed among themselves, after a whole day of hearing the word. As they disagreed among themselves, they began to leave, but not before Paul had added one statement more. The Holy Spirit was right in saying through Isaiah the prophet to your forefathers. Listen, the Holy Spirit was right in saying. So it was the Holy Spirit who was speaking through that man, Isaiah, who was called a prophet. The Holy Spirit was speaking. The Holy Spirit speaks. As we're speaking tonight, the Holy Spirit is speaking. Hallelujah. Regardless of where you are listening, wherever, wherever you are joining the service, wherever you, no matter what you are going through, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you tonight. And I believe, God, that you are listening. All of us are listening. He says, this is what the Holy Spirit said. Go to these people and say to them, you will indeed hear and hear with your ears, but you will not understand. And you will indeed look and look with your eyes, but you will not see nor perceive, nor have knowledge of, or become acquainted with what you look at at all. The Holy Spirit concluded, they will hear it, but they will not really hear it. They will see, but they will not really see it, because their hearts were hardened. Amen. But that is not us. So the Holy Spirit speaks. And one of the greatest things we can do when we hear the Holy Spirit speak is to listen and to pay attention, and then to go meditate what he said. Hallelujah. 
the Holy Spirit speaks. Of course, the Holy Spirit can be gripped when we don't do the right thing in His presence, when we don't do the right thing with His presence. My time is almost up here. I'm up to 40 minutes. So I'm going to I'm going to close out here in the next um, next five minutes here. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Look at, let's read from verse 29 to 32. It says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit. So he can be grieved. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor with evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So the Holy Spirit can be grieved, he can be welcomed, he can be received, he can be celebrated, he can be entertained, but he can also be grieved. And some of the things we read here are the things that can actually grieve the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be resisted. <laughs> Remember in, uh, when, when um, Stephen was, was, was preaching that his sermon in Acts chapter 7, right? Acts chapter 7 and um, verse, verse 49, he got to a point where he, he alluded to how the people, um, how the, the, the people will resist the Holy Spirit like their fathers did, like they resisted the Holy Spirit who spoke through prophets of old. It's actually pretty much the same thing that Paul was saying to them in Acts chapter 28. Stephen has said that also in Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 7, I think from verse 29. Let's read from verse, sorry, verse 49. Verse 49 to 51. Look at it. It says, uh, let's read from verse, uh, um, verse 48. How be the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet? Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, saith the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do you. Amen. And, and of course, Stephen Salmon goes on all the way until they were, they, they, they didn't just resist him. In fact, they, they became, the devil took them over. They became so angry, they picked up stones and, you know, they killed Stephen as he was ministering the word. He wasn't ministering his own word. He was ministering the word of God. And they were resisting the Holy Spirit and grieving him as the Holy Spirit was ministering through Stephen. The Holy Spirit has a personality. He can be welcomed. He can be received. He can be celebrated, he can be entertained, or he can be grieved, he can be resisted, he can be denied, he can be suppressed. My prayer for all of us is that we will receive him. We will not deny him, we will not grieve him, we will not resist him, but we will receive him, we will celebrate him. Hallelujah. Of course, we know like the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 12, 31 and 32, the Holy Spirit can be sinned against. He talked about the sin against the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So you can forgive, you can, you can sin against the Son of Man, blaspheme against the Son of Man, you still be forgiven. But if you, if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, and then of course in Hebrews chapter 10, 22 to 29, we see there where the Bible says that some people can actually trample down under the, the blood of covenant that redeemed them 
and they can despise and count as an unholy thing and resist the power of the Holy Spirit that they have been visited with in their lives. Well, that would not be us. Those are the things that stifle the move of the Holy Spirit in the lives of a believer. Those are the things that limit the way God can move in the life of a believer. But for us, we, we want to be in close fellowship with him. We want, to be, we want to be tight with him. Hallelujah. We want to share. We want to be intimate with him. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So, so, so we celebrate his presence. We entertain him and we do the things that are pleasing to him. And I believe that in our next service, we'll get a little bit more into that and read a lot more scriptures about that. Let's thank God tonight and yield our hearts to the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you. We bless and magnify your name for the precious work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, we, we are not those that resist him. We are not those that grieve him. We won't be among those that disagree and argue amongst themselves when, when they've heard the word of God almost a whole day, a whole day, whole morning, whole afternoon, whole night. They've heard it for years, but continue to resist him and harden their hearts. That will not be us. Lord, we will soften our hearts. We will be everything that we hear and everything that we see. We'll be like the Berean Christians. We'll be noble. We'll be like the minority in the, the, the Thessalonian church who received the word not as through man, but as though it was God himself and who allowed that word um, to, to, to rot effectually amongst them, within them, who allowed the superhuman powers of the word of God to produce results in their lives. We thank you for the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. We give you all the glory and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Well, thank you, saints, for being with us tonight. What a glorious service and Bible study we have had. Look forward to seeing you again next week. Same time. Good night. <music>